All right, well, today I want to share a thought with you. We're going to call it the table of grace. And our theme for this morning is a grace, if, you've, uh, if you haven't figured that out already. We've been singing towards that end. Our scripture reading was reminding us of, of the grace that is ours there in the book of Romans chapter 3 uh, through Jesus. Today we're going to talk a little bit more, though, from Hebrews 13 about strengthening grace or enabling grace here this morning, what that means and why it's necessary and how we acquire that today. So typically when you put the word table and grace together, what do you think of? Prayer, right? Who's going to pray? Who's going to say grace? Now that's, that's good, right? It's important to acknowledge and to give thanks for God's provision in our life. And so that's always a good practice. But uh, we're going to talk this morning about really how to, how to be strengthened in heart um, by coming to the table of grace. And so it's a little bit different than um, saying a prayer. But uh, as we begin here, let me ask you this question and then we'll, we'll take off. Um, how many of you would say you're strong or your heart is strong? What's it mean to have a strong heart? One that works right, okay? So a properly working heart, what's it doing? So it's beating, it's pumping blood, it's giving you life, okay? You ever had a heart that gets out of rhythm? And you feel that in your chest, right? It's just kind of hard to function there. There's one part's overworking. You're trying to compensate for the other part that's not maybe working as it should be. Um, so, yeah. Do you feel like you have a strong heart? <laughs> I hope so. I think that's what I heard, right? <laughs> okay. Well, we're talking today about having a spiritually strong heart. Right, so what does that mean? What's it mean to have a strong heart, spiritually speaking? Following God, all right? And in a similar way, we want to be healthy, right? Physically speaking, we go to the doctor, we want to have a healthy heart. Spiritually speaking, we want to be healthy as well. We want to have a sound heart or a solid heart. Uh, often throughout the Bible, the word heart is a reference to that inner self, right? So... You may have heard, or maybe somebody, when they taught you to pray, uh, to receive Jesus, how did they tell you to do that? Ask Jesus into your heart, right? And so that's not the physical muscle. That's also not uh, prescripted in the Bible. That's just the way we try to understand what we're doing, like making him the center of who we are or the core of, of who we are, right? Come there. Uh, when the Bible says, love the Lord with all your heart. Okay, that's not just that physical muscle, but it's with every dream, desire, goal. It's with everything that I am. All right? So it's, it's that, that inner self. In Ephesians 3, Paul prayed that we would be strengthened in our inner self. And that's the same idea here, the idea of having a strong heart. So we're going to work through today this thought of being called to the table of grace and what it looks like to have a strong heart. Uh, one of the things to have a strong heart means, though, is it means that we're strengthened to do the very thing that we're being asked to do. So whatever God is requiring of us, whatever God has gifted us to do, then we're looking to him to strengthen us in heart to be able to use that gift and ability for his glory and honor. So, for example, have you ever had an ex uh, a moment where it was hard to love somebody? 
or you would rather turn to hate, or you would rather just turn to like non-existence, like you don't exist to me anymore. You've hurt me too many times, and so I'm just going to treat you as though you're dead. I'm not going to hate you. I'm just not going to acknowledge you. Like when it's hard to love somebody, we need to be strengthened in heart so we can love as we have been loved. Right? That's one of the ways that that could be fleshed out. Uh, anybody battle temptation? Ever tempted to say something you shouldn't? To get involved when you shouldn't? To not get involved when you should? Right? To view something or react in a certain way where you're just not honoring God. Right? We're all tempted in all sorts of ways. So to overcome or to battle temptation, we've got to have a strong heart. And what we're looking at today, then again, is coming to the table of grace to be strengthened there in heart. What about to suffer for the name of Christ? You feel like you could suffer if that's what was required of you? And all around the world today, brothers and sisters of ours are going to suffer for the name of Christ. And they're going to experience that to a degree that we may never experience on this planet, or on this side of the planet, rather. Are we equipped to do so? Right? That's, that's having a strong heart. So that's not just a, you know, suck it up and get through it. That is a strengthening grace. Like in my mind, I see this as 2D versus 3D. And this may not make sense to you. But a 2D image is what? It's kind of flat. doesn't really have any life to it. Right? It's, it's kind of like the words of your Bible. They're on a page. And if all I have is information, that's 2D. It's important, but it has to move beyond that. So when an image becomes 3D, what does it do? It's like it leaps off the page or leaps off the screen. There, there's depth to a painting, right? Or you're, maybe you've got the glasses on. And it seems like all these things are coming out. It's all alive now. And it's the same way, biblically speaking, like these words lift from a page and they strengthen me. They enable me. They work in me in a powerful way to equip me to endure or persevere or to act in a way that's pleasing to God. All right? So grace, we can define it. And there's all sorts of words for that. And we've done that many times before. But what we're looking at today is it's got to move beyond our 2D head and get into our 3D heart where there is power, literal experienced power from the grace of Christ. Uh, some of these we've mentioned already about overcoming temptation, that the strength to carry out my role in God's mission. You ever feel like quitting? You ever feel like throwing in the towel like this is It's not worth it anymore. I'm tired. Or I'm frustrated. Or I want to go a different direction. Right? What is required to finish? We've got a role to play. Yeah, do your part. But the only way I can do my part is by the grace of Christ. Do you remember when Paul said, I'm out of my head to say this, but I worked harder than anybody. And I've done more for the cause of Christ than anybody. But not me, but the grace of Christ that is at work within me. And so he attributed the strength to live his life in a God-honoring way to this working grace. Powerful grace, right? Some of which we've sung about here this morning. We'll highlight a little bit later here as we make our way through the text. But all these things require a strong heart. So I'll ask you again, do you have a strong heart? Are you battling and winning in temptation? Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Are you loving people who hate you and spit in your face and talk bad about your family? 
Are you continuing to press on even though you aren't seeing any results whatsoever? That's having a strong heart. And so often it's easy to fall prey to everything else there, the flip side. And so we want to talk today about being strengthened in heart. And I want to say a couple more things here before we make our way to the text. One of the things is this. Grace is always from God. Grace is a God thing. And if God doesn't, it's, it's not available. So you can go to Walmart and buy lots of things. But the one thing you can't get at Walmart, grace. And you can buy almost everything online. Right? You can buy countries. You can buy islands. You can buy, name it, you can buy it online. But the one thing you cannot buy or purchase online is grace. God alone is the supplier. And what he has promised to you as a believer, you are already supplied. And so often we want to pray, God bless me or God do this for me. And the thing is, it's already there. And we're looking today to trust in and to lean into this grace that strengthens us to do the, the things that God asks us to do. And ultimately, he gets the glory as the one who is the supplier of the grace. Um, so let's go to Hebrews 13. And let's talk about being, being strengthened at the table of grace. Here you've got the, um, this is the concluding chapter of Hebrews 13. And as with any letter, you're getting the closing remarks. So... Um, here the author is going to share some things that he just wants the listener or the reader to be mindful of as they move away from hearing or reading uh, the letter. And some of what he's going to talk about in the previous six verses, one through six, he's going to talk about the importance of showing love to people and how you're going to need to be strengthened in heart to do that. He's going to talk about showing hospitality to strangers. He's going to talk about visiting those who are imprisoned. Uh, he's going to talk about caring for people who are poor or who've been mistreated or who are suffering. He's going to talk about the importance of marriage. That's between a man and a woman and that relationship should be honored. He's going to talk about staying away from just loving money like it's the very reason to be alive. And all of this he's going to tie to, link to the table of grace, right? Coming to the table to, to take in this grace of Christ. And so let's move that direction here. We're going to read 7 through 16 um, in this concluding chapter of Hebrews 13. And so it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. For it's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. Now, we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest, he carries the blood of the animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus, he also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we're looking for that city that is to come. And through Jesus, therefore, let us continue to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. 
And so a few things we'll highlight today as we make our way through being strengthened in heart. All right, being strengthened in heart. So as always, you can track on the back of your bulletin. You don't have to at all. Uh, but let's make our way, all right? So initially here, to be strengthened in heart, the first thing the author said here in this progression of the text, he told us to remember those who have gone before. Remember those who have gone before, and not just like precious memories of time spent with people, but remember what they've done. You know, much of what we do on this planet is remembering. And almost everything that we do today, that we do purposefully, we do it based on something that we remember from yesterday. So those of you who've been in school, we've probably all went through school. Somewhere along the way, a teacher gave you a test. What was that test over? The test was over all the previous material, right? It's those things you should have been learning. So what I learned yesterday is what I'm applying today. The same way in a job, right? You and I cannot go do a job that we're not equipped to do, that we have no know-how to do, no experience in doing. And so we live on, we work out according to what we remember from our past. Uh, and listen, remembering is a, it's an important part of life. It's an important part of being a Christian. It's an important part of what we do here as a church family. Just think about it. What do we do every December? We remember the birth of Christ. All right? And then we come together in January. And we remember that life matters. And so we partner with Mosaic. Right? God says there's value in all life. I knew you while you were being formed as you were a soul within the womb of that woman. That makes you um, worth. All right? That gives you worth. That gives you purpose. And so we are mindful of that in January. What about in February? These are just things we typically have on the calendar every year. I love my church. Right? So we're remembering how Christ loved the church. And we're calling out ourselves to love the church just as he did. And we demonstrate that in various ways throughout the month. Often through the month of March, you'll find uh, Palm Sunday towards the end of that. Right? Where we remember Jesus coming and he's the king and he's being pronounced so by all these people. He's celebrated only for the next week, which is often in April. Remember? Right? The crucifixion. We remember Good Friday through Sunday there in the resurrection. And so those things bring fuel to our, our life. Uh, in May, who do we tend to remember? We remember mothers. Right? Without them, we wouldn't be here. And so we give thanks to God for mothers. We're mindful of them. And uh, we make our way then through this month. Right? What are we thinking of? Father's Day, all right? So we think about fathers. At the end of May, we thought about um, those who gave their life and service to this country, right? Memorial Day. Um, in July, we're going to remember those who established the, this country with the freedoms and the independence that we enjoy this day. And so we give thanks to God for that as we remember. In August, we remember how important it is to get outside the walls and love people the way they've been loved. We're cutting out again. To serve Christ the way that uh, he has served us. Just as he's sent, he says, I've sent you in the same way. Go light up your world, right? Lots of darkness we participate in there in a weekend at party at the beach. But it gives us an opportunity to get out and love on and meet people and try to serve like Christ. Not the only way, it's a way. September, we remember about 60 years ago, is that right? 60, almost 60 years ago, the establishing of this church. 
And so we remember the people who were instrumental in getting it started. Uh, just reminiscing through some of those important dates and times. October, we partner with a group of people that believes that you can change a heart by the power of a simple gift. And so we pack boxes and we ship them around the world. Right? November, we take time to remember what? Yeah, all the things we're thankful for. How good God has been to us as we celebrate Thanksgiving. And then we're back to December and we do it all over again. And so every month within the, just the planning and the thinking of our church family here is built in the importance of remembering. And we see it here in Hebrews 13 as well. It's important to remember the people who've gone before you. Specifically though, here's what we want to remember. Remember your leaders, verse 7 says, who spoke the word of God to you. So remember those who spoke words, or God's word and then consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, who are some people in your life who spoke the word of God to you? You don't have to say that out loud, but I'm assuming that there are many. I don't mean who have you been taught by. I mean people that have spoke to you in such a way that it mattered. Like it impacted your life. You heard something when God spoke through them and it's been transformational for you. Who are, those, who are those people? Who are the people that you've witnessed display strength through struggle? Right? They've displayed faith. They kept going even though it was hard. Even though their body was letting them down, they were faithful. Even though circumstances were against them, they pressed on. Who are those people that you look at and you go, man, if there was ever a person that I've seen live their life for Christ, it was this person. Who are those leaders? That's who... The author here is calling us to remember. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it was a teacher or a, a mentor, a professor. Maybe it's been a pastor or a missionary, spouse or close friend. Right? The Bible tells us here to remember them. Remember them. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's going to go on just uh, two chapters prior, chapter 11. And that whole chapter is about remembering people who were faithful, remembering people who pressed on when it was hard. And they go through to outline several different individuals, and then it kind of generalizes, it groups people. There have been people who've had great success through faith, and there have been people who've endured all sorts of extreme torment and torture through faith. All right? So this author believed in the importance of remembering those who've gone before us, who've spoke the word of God to us, for two very important reasons. One is they say remember the outcome of their way of life. Right? Consider the end of their life. You know, I've heard it said that living hero, that's, that's a good person to have in your life. But a dead hero is a better person to have in your life because a living hero can still let you down. They can still become less than who you hold them out to be. Somebody who was faithful to the end, that's what this says. What was the outcome? What was the end result? How far did they travel? Did they persevere in faith like this whole letter of Hebrews calls us to do? But then look what it says. It doesn't say, can, it doesn't say imitate their way of life. What's it say imitate? It says to imitate their faith. And I think sometimes we get this backwards. Sometimes we imitate the conduct of other people. Now, I've often heard it said as well that faith tends to fade by the third generation. 
So your first generation are those who came to faith in Christ and it was alive and it was real and that was passed on to the second and the second generation understood why the first generation was so passionate. And so they dug their heels in deeper and they were after the Lord with all they had. But then the third generation came along and they end up doing all the right things. They're just not compelled by the same compelling in their heart. So it's like being here this morning and you're singing. And the reason you sing is because the person beside you is singing or because we've asked you to stand and do so. Nothing compelling inside to sing. It's just because I'm at church, this is what I'm supposed to do. Or as an offering plate's passed, you see somebody put a dollar in and so you put a dollar in. It's not because you're compelled to do so. It's because you've seen the conduct of somebody else and done so. I think a lot of times we imitate the conduct of people rather than the faith of people. And we end up with fake Christians. We end up with people doing all the religious activity, but there's no real motor that's driving it within. And so the goal here is not about imitate their way of life. The author says, let's focus on, let's focus on their faith. Right? Those who spoke the word of God to you, think about how they lived. Think about the, how they ended their life. What was it that sustained them? And get a hold of that. Grasp that. Right? Don't just show up because it's Sunday. Why am I showing up? What's compelling me? Right? We don't just pray before we eat because that's what we do. Is it something compelling me? I'm not just sharing my faith because that's what I'm supposed to do and I know I'm going to answer to God and so I need to talk to you about Jesus. But is it really compelling you? Is it compelling me to be a witness? So to be strengthened in heart, the first thing they're going to say here Remember those who've gone before and imitate their faith. Look at how they ended, but don't focus so much on trying to imitate their conduct, right? You're different. I'm different. God's got different gifts and plans for you than he's had for the people who've gone on before you. I was just reading this morning the last chapter of Deuteronomy 34, and the Bible says there was never another prophet like Moses. No one ever since the time of Moses has done the things that Moses did. You know what that means? Nobody needs to try to be Moses. Israelites have already been delivered. That time has already come. It serves important purposes and reminds us of great principles. But it's not my job to be Moses. It's not your job or my job to be the hero of faith in our life. Don't imitate their conduct. Get a hold of their God. Right? That same motor. Let it be driven by faith. All right. Secondly, though, let's trust in the changeless Christ. And this is going to lead us here to... Verse 8. And so we've just said here, why do we remember those who've gone before us? All right, we want to imitate their faith, but we also want to be encouraged by grace. We also want to be encouraged by, by their grace. So uh, the strength that they displayed, you know, I think of my parents, I think of my uh, grandparents, and I think of some uh, other people in my life that I've just looked at as a mentor, as somebody who draws me deeper, who challenges me, who models for me what it looks like to, to love and live like Jesus. Um, and I'm encouraged by, by their continued pursuit of grace. Right? These are people who are, are extremely gracious. They're extremely compassionate. They're sold to the cause. They're not perfect. But this is what they exemplify or this is what they model with their life. They are strong in 
grace. And so we could say it's established within them. Right? Let's see what the text says here. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that my hero has, has a strong heart? I mean, that's good for them, but how does that apply to me? Well, verse 8 makes it practical. It applies because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. See, where was the source of their strength? The source of their strength was the grace of Christ. So they weren't just tough. Now, oftentimes we attribute things to people that are God's attributes. Man, they were tough. They were solid. They stuck when it was hard. Maybe they did those things, but they've done so in the power of Christ. And so as I think about the people in my life who've been steadfast, who've been faithful to the end, strengthened and graced, it calls me out to pursue that same grace. So if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what's that mean for you and I today? It means that he can strengthen us and that he will strengthen us as we seek to live out our lives just like those who've gone before us. So that's why we don't imitate their um, actions. That's why we want to be compelled by the same grace that was driving them. Now often grace gets connected with salvation. And it should be. Right? For it's by grace you have been saved. This through faith. Okay? So grace is always connected with salvation. But salvation is not the only goal or purpose or power of grace. It goes to things beyond as well. And so grace is going to work here to strengthen our hearts. It's like the song we sang this morning. It really lays it out beautifully. Page 230 in your hymnal, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That what? That's saved. All right? So the grace that's amazing is a grace that's saved. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. All right? Verse 2 says, "'Twas grace that, that taught my heart to fear." All right? And that same grace, my fears relieved. All right? Two things with fear going on. One fear is being removed while another fear is being put in its place. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. So you've got saving grace, but now you've got this grace that's starting to transform. It's starting to work. And in that context, it's bringing in proper fear of God and it's removing fear of man or of anything else that's just a hindrance to faith. All right? What's that next verse? We didn't sing it this morning. It's not part of my chains are gone. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. How? Why? Tis grace has brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. Right? And so grace is not just about salvation. And John Newton understood that. Yes, it starts there. It's by grace that you're saved, but it's also by grace that you and I are strengthened to do the very things that God is asking us to do. So it's strengthening grace or it's that enabling grace. Now, what if this text just said that Jesus Christ, he died on the cross yesterday and that's all that said. Would that be good news? That he died and that he was resurrected? Would that be good news that he, he had done that in the past? 
Yeah, that would still be good news. We would celebrate that. Our sins could still be forgiven. We could be saved. We could have the promise of life. But what this says is, not only is that grace the same yesterday for your heroes of faith, but it's the same for you and I when? Today. That grace will strengthen you and I today. Right now, there's enabling grace. Two minutes from now, there's going to be a grace to strengthen you. When we go from this place and we have opportunities to serve later today, to live out our life intentionally, grace will be there. And grace will meet us. And grace will supply us. So we can always be uh, encouraged. We can always be bold as we remember that Jesus Christ is not only the same yesterday, but he's the same today and he's the same forever. So it's important that we learn to believe that, to trust in, right? To trust in the changeless Christ. And there we'll find the strength to pursue and to do and to endure and persevere whatever it is that he's either asking us to do or to endure uh, on his behalf. So be strengthened in heart. Do so by remembering those who've gone before you, specifically their faith. That's what compelled them. Remember as well that what compelled them will compel you and I today because Christ never changes. And then to be strengthened in heart here, third and last, we need to come to the cross and eat grace. So if you go out to eat today, I just dare you to tell your waiter or waitress, when they ask you what you want to eat, say, I'll take, I'll take grace. What in the world? Come to the cross and eat grace. That must have been a typo, Pastor, when you were putting this PowerPoint together. Right? I, mean, I know how to eat a hamburger. How do I eat grace? And what are you talking about coming to the cross and, and eating grace? Well, grace isn't a physical food, right? A physical food we take in through our mouth and it nourishes and strengthens our body, makes us healthy, makes us strong. Grace is a spiritual food, and that spiritual food enters through the mind, and it's going to come to the heart where it brings strength, where it's going to bring nourishment and encouragement. But just like most foods that we eat, I don't know how it worked at your house. I know how it worked at my house, though. If you wanted to eat, there was a certain place you had to come to. You're not going to eat outside. You're not going to eat downstairs. Where are you going to eat? You're going to eat at the table. If you don't come to the table... You don't eat. All right? It sounds like you had the same upbringing that I had. That's where you eat. That's where you're fed. That's where you're nourished. You've got to come to the table. And as you come here, take in that which nourishes your, your spiritual heart, which strengthens you, which encourages you. And so here the author is going to tell us what that table is. In verses 9 and 10, we don't know what the strange teachings were, but it had something to do with eating and supposedly that made you right with God or that's what made you strong to persevere. Don't be carried away by these strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. But we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. What is the altar that we have? The altar is the cross. Right? Those that are being referenced here would have been those religious leaders who didn't look to the cross. 
they're still offering sacrifices thinking that the old way of doing things, that table where the blood was sprinkled, that's where you found forgiveness. That's where you found hope. That's where you would find your strength, your power. But the author of Hebrews says, no, no, no. The fulfillment of that has come. Verse 11, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also, he suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. See, those sacrifices before Christ were to point people to Christ. He's the end result. And just as that would be carried out, the next verse would call us to go out to Jesus, to go out to that altar, out to that cross, or out to that table where we can find forgiveness, where we find hope. See, the cross isn't just about salvation. It's not just about power to forgive sins, but it's the display of the strength and power of grace. Grace overcomes, and it always does. And that grace is still yet available. Like God is still setting a table. And the truth of the matter is, those helpings are inexhaustible. So you could come to my house today and we could sit down and eat. And we're going to get to a point where there's nothing left. Right? The plates would be scraped clean. And if you're still hungry, you're out of luck. It's never that way with grace. Those helpings are just inexhaustible. Here at camp this week, we're going to have campers who come up after everybody else has eaten. And what are they going to want? That's right. Can I have more? I want seconds. Can I have thirds? And we're going to say, you eat till you can't eat anymore. Right? Our cook doesn't want to store any of that. And that's how God draws us here. Don't just come get forgiving grace. Absolutely come get that. But come again to the table. And get that strengthening grace. Right? Wasn't it Paul we talked about this morning? Uh, possibly in your studies, where he said, I've got a thorn in my flesh, and it's made me weak. But I'll boast in my weakness, because in you I'm strong. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace strengthens. Your grace empowers. It doesn't just give. It is active. It's literal. It's experienced in those who will come to the table and eat. All right, so the table of grace here today Many people have come before us and they've eaten there and we've looked at their life and by our measure we would say, man, they were faithful to God to the end. Not perfect, but they have, they have tread a path that makes me want to pursue Christ in the same way. And thankfully here today the table is still being set. Grace is still being offered. And as we said, it's offered in that unending supply. So if you're here this morning in need of strengthening, what do you need to do? Come to the table and eat. Remind yourself of what Jesus has done. Remind yourself of the things that are true. Right? He didn't just give you a 2D word. This word is living and it's active. It's that 3D. It thrives in partnership with the Spirit of God, Christ in us. It's transformational. It's powerful. It's enabling. And apart from that, all we have is religious activity on the outside without anything motoring or driving or compelling us within. If you're in need of strength, come to the table. Maybe you're struggling today to live out your faith. I don't want to talk to people about Jesus. That makes me entirely nervous. I feel just ill-equipped to do that. 
And so I don't look for those moments. I don't want those. I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying maybe that's where you find yourself today. What do you need to do? Come to the table. Right? Find strength to do the very thing that Christ is asking you, asking us to do. Maybe you're in need of forgiveness today. Come to the table. You're in need of hope. Come to the table and eat. You're in need of rest or joy. And maybe your joy bucket is just running pretty shallow these days. God, be the refresher of my joy. Strengthen my heart. Remind me of your salvation. Whatever it is, the call today would simply be to come to the table. Right? Come to the table. Eat to your heart's content. Right? Come often. And you'll find there strength to do the very things that you're being faced with uh, each and every day. Endure, love, forgive, live boldly, struggle through hardship, struggle through a body that's declining, whatever the case may be, you'll find the strength of grace to satisfy you for that time of need.